The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. I'm Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Sarah Hall was looking to qualify as part of the USA marathon team, but she didn't finish the race at the trials in Atlanta. Then the pandemic hit and all racing was paused. At 37, some athletes would consider that to be the end, but not Sarah. Instead, she trained and she ended up finishing 2020 as runner up at the London Marathon and also clocking the second fastest time by an American woman ever. We're going to talk about why her Olympic dream is still alive. Adoption and resilience, lots more too. So Sarah, it's my pleasure to say thank you, first of all. And uh, how are you? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Yeah, enjoying training up here in Flagstaff, Arizona, where I live. It looks very nice. I mean, you're in you're in the car and it's all, it looks just so lovely. I'm, I'm and it looks sunny. How is it? Uh, yeah, it's getting cold, but yeah, we live in the forest, um, really close to the center of the city, but but kind of in a rural area. So um, so yeah, it's great for training. There's just miles and miles of dirt roads that um, I'm about to hit after this. <laughs> yeah, that sounds well. It sounds like heaven to me. Like this time last year, your goals were quite clear, and you know how are you feeling, kind of this time last year? Yeah. Yeah, this time um, last year I was really excited to be training for the Olympic trials. Um, you know, I'd never made an Olympic team. And so I, um, I was highly motivated to make the marathon team for the U S and I was, I was really preparing for the course in Atlanta, which is kind of the hilliest elite marathon course that's ever been. So I was doing tons of hills, which fortunately Flagstaff's a great place to train for that. But, um, and yeah, just uh, feeling really hopeful because I was feeling great and had the fastest time. But, you know, unfortunately, as we know, like the race didn't go that way and ended up not being able to finish and not make the team. And so that was the biggest heartbreak of my career. So starting the year with that, followed by all the lockdowns and all the races canceled and everything was it was hard because I was hoping to really use that. Uh, fitness towards future races but um, it took a really long time to be able to do that. Did it help you to have like this you know big disappointment and a break to kind of you know really concentrate on family and more you know kind of smaller things that are important? Yeah actually I feel like it was the opposite I feel like it was harder because I think what helps me move on past disciplining races is just to get back out there again and I had some other races lined up that I was excited to go after American records or different things in and, and then, um, just to get back on the horse, you know, and like, and I, I had all this fitness built, but, but unfortunately I wasn't able to do that. And then the track trials got canceled. That was my other focus was trying to make the team on the track and then that got postponed. And so it was, it was mentally a, a challenging time. Um, I definitely, um, definitely relied on some friends talking through that and, and also just trying to be present with my kids, as you mentioned, like take the opportunity. I would have loved to like gone on vacation with them somewhere, but we, you know, it's like the one time you can't go anywhere. And, uh, but we tried to do some, some cool hikes nearby that we don't typically do. And I'm training hard and, um, and they've been at, doing school at home for almost a year now, ever since then. So, um, at first that was, that was really challenging just to have them all around all the time and helping with that. 
but now we've kind of found our groove with it. And I think it's, it's actually brought us closer now, um, having been through it, but, but yeah, at the time it, it was a challenging season. Yeah. One of my things that I got so excited about London for was that it was kind of reopening, you know, like that world again, it was kind of, oh my God, Kipchoge's running. And at that time, Michaeli's running as well. That's so exciting. And the women's side of things is like, you know, you can have your opinions on shoes and that's great. But what it does mean is that records are falling. Races are exciting. You know, like it's a great time to be a marathon runner because people are talking about it. How are you feeling in that time just before London? I I did feel focused. Um, You know, I typically race a lot um, more than average professionals. And so, um, I think that this period was really difficult to have no races. And so getting into London was like a dream come true. I felt so grateful. Um, and then we were, you know, bubbling and like doing all our training at the hotel venue and a lot of things that were kind of less than ideal, but I kind of was just like, whatever, I'll do whatever to get to the starting line here. And, uh, and I'd had the best training of my life. And so I was, I was highly motivated, you know, I'm 37 and, um, like I really am like highly motivated right now to keep seeing my potential in the marathon come out. And so um, I felt like I'd had a special buildup and, and was really wanting to capture this moment in the race. So, so yeah, I think you probably saw some of that. <laughs> and then the race itself, there's a lot of people there. Usually there's the atmosphere is world famous as are all our marathons, to be honest, that I've been to, but London is a big one. It means it's a big um, situation. And so, it must be so strange and eerie to run around these like iconic places like Buckingham Palace and no one's there. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, I've run the actual London Marathon before and watched my husband run it a couple of times. It was actually his first marathon and and he was leading the race against like the world record holder and Olympic champion and stuff. And so um, it's always been a special, magical place for both of us. And um, so so I was excited to do it, but knowing it was going to feel different, right? Like the, the crowds along the, it's it has some of the best crowds of any race and typically, and I, I knew I was really going to miss that out there. And um, that was the case. I mean, it was dead. Like uh, it was really, you know, not even music really. The, the final stretch had some music and the announcer and stuff, but otherwise I was just hearing my footsteps basically wondering if that was like someone behind me or just, the echo of my own footsteps out there and because I ran most of the race alone um so it was I mean it was kind of like a marathoner's worst nightmare for me to be running completely alone with no crowd on a one mile loop that's just like running in circles um but and, you know anytime I started to feel sorry for myself out there I just I was able to kind of slap myself and be like man you are so lucky to get to do this race right now like to run a world marathon major in the middle of COVID, like who would have thought like, like you're in the best shape of your life. Do not like let this opportunity pass you by. And, and so I think that gratitude just kept me moving forward in the race and kept me focused even, even in less than ideal atmosphere out there. Cause you were training, not knowing whether London or any race was going ahead. You were just like, I'm training, something will come up. I mean, that is faith. I, I, I respect that. That is cool. Yeah. You know, I've always just loved the grind. And so I think I just tried to shift into that mindset of 
like just love the hard work and you don't know when you're like I was training in face of a marathon and even if I had to do one on like a bike path like I did my half marathon in August um but but also just embrace like the hard work for the sake of the hard work not have it have to be a means to an end and um I think that's what's allowed me to just keep enjoying the sport this long is because I really do love the the training I read in a really good CNN article that a good quote that said, um, running has broken my heart a hundred times. And I was like, I can resonate with that. I can, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that's like, yeah, I don't know why I keep coming back to this thing that has, you know, it's hurt. It's hurt me a lot. You know, you're in a different league completely, uh, obviously as an elite runner there's a lot riding on it for you so why do you keep coming back yeah um you know I just love the challenge of it and I think yeah it is hard when you have high expectations for yourself like every time out I'm I have big goals and like that means you're going to be disappointed a lot of times and especially if you take big risks out there like you're going to come up short some days and um I've just got gotten pretty resilient at being able to pick myself back up and just like be bummed for 24 hours of bad races, but, but knowing like, okay, what's the next opportunity? Like even after the trials, like um, that was a missed opportunity, but like just knowing there were going to be future opportunities. And I think you miss moments like London. If you, if you get, if you let disappointment just keep you down too much, you know? And um, I think that's the biggest takeaway I'll, I'll take from running is just, um, that resiliency that you build in yourself of like being able to pull yourself back up and hope again and dream again and just love loving the process loving the challenge of going after big goals and and those are all things I hope for my kids and I get to model to them every day through my running I really invite them into the process so that that's added another kind of layer of meaning to my running so it, it kind of in keeping with the true Olympic spirit of resilience <laughs> you are uh, still trying to qualify right but on track now yeah um I'm definitely going to be all in for the track as long as the track trials are happening um and yeah you know I haven't raced on the track in over four years so it, it is different um that's gonna take you know a lot of hard work on my part um but you know at the same time the marathons made me really strong in a way that last time I was running track like the stuff I can do now is just like, I'm a different athlete than I was four years ago. So in that way, it's exciting. Cause I feel like the sky's the limit of what's possible. Um, you know, I'm running the second half of my half marathons pretty close to a standard 10 K pace. And so if, when I only have to run half the distance, I'm hoping that I'll be able to run that, but you know, that's just the beginning in the U S like we're so deep in every single event. Um, that it really takes preparation meeting opportunity you know you have to be like super fit super prepared and then also just have your day out there and so um so yeah i'm I'm definitely excited to give it a shot um and plus i think that 10k block is is just going to make my half marathon better it's just going to make my marathon better and that's really where my heart is is on the roads but um but yeah i definitely am going to give it a good fight because i i definitely want to become an olympian Sure. I, I, I really, I think that's amazing that to have that drive to go and try and try and get out there 
to try and achieve something else that's massive. I mean, you would be forgiven for not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> has that not um, kind of been a thought too? You know, like, do I need this? Yeah, you know, I think if there were like spring marathons happening, that'd be really tempting because like I do love the marathon so much and um, and that's really where my heart is. But, you know, at the same time, like five years ago, I was racing the steeplechase. So I'm not as even though I'm kind of removed from the track now, like the shorter stuff's always been a strength of mine. So I do feel like uh, it's it's going to be a an easier transition than maybe it might look on paper. So we'll see but uh but part of the part of the fun is the pursuit right to just like go all in on it and just like just believe and so yeah I'm excited to do that (laughs) there's lots of things I want to pick up on that you've, you've already kind of mentioned in terms of um themes but perseverance is one I think that's actually very um relevant and you mentioned it in conjunction with your family I think it's you know your husband Ryan you know he holds the American marathon and half marathon record still right so I mean it's a running family and you uh five years was it five years ago now that you adopted um four biological sisters from from Ethiopia so I mean can you explain, you know, how that all came about and and uh, how you're managing to fit in an elite career <laughs> around, you know, a pretty hectic home life, I'm sure? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, Ryan and I have been married 15 years and met through running. And then it was kind of 10 years in that he was his career was kind of um, wrapping up and he was feeling the itch for kids. And we always wanted to grow our family through adoption. Um and I had spent a lot of time in Africa because my sister does malaria research and and does research over there. And you see the orphan crisis in some of these countries. And, um, you know, obviously adoption isn't like the solution to that, but it's, it's the solution for a few kids, you know. And um, and so Ethiopia was a natural fit. We had spent some time training there and obviously had a lot of connection with the with running um, and so we we started the process just for one baby because <laughs> it was our first child but uh but really it was spending time over there in the orphanages that we saw the older kids were the ones kind of stuck um waiting for families not typically adopted and we were like we would adopt any of these kids like they're amazing and um we we hadn't met our kids then but um it really opened our hearts to older children and um and we heard about our girls that had been waiting for a while and our oldest was about to age out where you can't be adopted after the age of 16 and she was 15 and a half and so um so yeah we we just went for it I mean it was it was very much like just jumping off a cliff where you're like this is probably the end of life as I know it you know like we talked to a lot of families and they had had a really hard road because these kids have been through pretty traumatic stuff and um you know not a lot of them have had a really hard time adjusting to life in the U.S. and adjusting to their new families and so um so we were kind of prepared for that with our girls but we were I think we felt like because of we're marathon runners like we know what it's like to persevere like you said like we know what it's like to dig in with hard stuff every single day and so 
we we felt like called to that part of it that like it was going to be a hard road but we would we knew how to to do that um but actually wasn't as much like in those areas like our kids really just they adjusted really amazingly to their new life and um they're thriving like all of them and um so that's that's been really amazing because it's allowed me to do what i what i love still like because they've adjusted so well um and it's difficult, like definitely difficult to, to do this at a world-class level with four kids and, and kids that have unique needs, like they didn't know any English and they'd never been to school before they came to the U.S. So my oldest daughter started school at age 15, knowing no English. And that was a monumental effort to like get her to be eligible for college, to give, take a college scholarship for running like four years later. Um, so so it's been hard and and i definitely sometimes miss my old lifestyle of just being able to train and then watch netflix and you know just have my life revolve around me like as a professional athlete that's kind of like what you want and so it's it's definitely um i would say it's a, it's a challenge an ongoing challenge but but something that's definitely obviously been really rewarding and 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 beautiful to like to to not have a be putting my family on hold for my career but to actually be like all right, it's not going to get any harder than this. Like I already have four kids. So if I can keep improving every year as a mom before, like, like I can keep doing this for a long time now. And so that's, that's a nice feeling. <laughs> Isn't it funny that, you know, you took this big thing on and then one of the biggest achievements of your entire career and one of the biggest disappointments of your entire career all happened. So, you know, in such close proximity to each other, you know, like you have to have a real perseverance in order to take that knock back and be like, no, you know what? I am good enough. I, you know, do you know, have that like real self-confidence. I find it hard and I'm sure other people do as well to have that mixture of kind of the confidence without taking it too far. You know, how do you strike that balance, you know, between those two things? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, I think... I think I, I stand on the starting line, just believing anything's possible, especially just with my faith. Like, um, I've seen miracles, like I've seen just miraculous days. And, um, but also like just knowing that at the end of the day, nothing has to happen. Like, I think I've been okay, like time in time out when it doesn't. And so I think it's, yeah, that tension of being able to let go enough where you're not clinging so tightly to something that you're um, that it holds you back, but that you can be like, have it with slightly open hands where you can be like, um, I believe anything's possible here. Like I believe in myself, but, um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, <laughs> but it does make sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, like you're so uh, smiley and, you know, like positive as a person, but you face so much kind of disappointment as well, you know, and faced it kind of quite honestly and head on and you know how do you do that as well like is there is there some is there a mantra or something that you return to when you face a, a disappointment yeah it's really my faith actually like there was definitely a time where I was not handling it as well um and I almost walked away from the sport back in like 2009 and 2010 where I was really struggling um, my performances were not going well. I felt like I was letting down my sponsors and coach and everything. And here is my job to perform. And I was not performing, you know, and that's, that's humbling. That's like, 
you're doing everything you can and your body's not cooperating. And, um, and really like, it took me getting to this really low point of just, um, like your, your faith in yourself and your pride and like, or your confidence in yourself getting to like an all time low where I felt like God was really able to meet me there. And I just experienced him in some really tangible ways that, um, that really changed the trajectory of my life and my career where I got really freed up from fearing failure that because once you start like not being able to trust your body, like you start being afraid to fail more than you're excited for the opportunity to race and succeed and stuff. And so I was, I was lining up like more like just not wanting to fail than I was excited for the, for the race. And that's not a good place to be. Once you're in that place, like you're not going to perform well, you're never going to reach your potential. And, and I think a lot a certain extent like as professionals you're you're constantly in a in a range of that because you're under the limelight right you're gonna get criticized if you fail you're gonna you're gonna lose sponsors you're gonna lose fans and all this stuff and so um so that but really God freed me of all of that um and I just felt like free to take risks again I felt free to just like know that my worth isn't based in my performances and whether I succeed or not. Um, I'd really like me, I, th- those had become really tied, like my identity and my self-worth were tied in like how successful I was. And I had to really make that separation of like, I'm worthy of love and acceptance, no matter how, what I do, you know, like, even if I do nothing, even if I don't even race, like, like I'm worthy of that. And, um, and that was a big game changer ever, ever since then. I've enjoyed my career more and more every year and gotten better every year. And, um, and, and that's, what's kept me in the game so long at 37, like still, still enjoying it, still improving um, at this age. And so, so yeah, that was really the game changer for me. I think someone else who's probably important in that process is Ryan. I mean, he, um, I was laughing as I was doing some research because he um, embraces the monastic elements of the job. Yeah, you said in another interview, and uh, you know, in that he just loves the eat, sleep, run kind of kind of attitude, and you'd like to be a little bit more free, I guess, to to do other stuff. And you know, how important was has he been in kind of? influencing you and and helping you in those those harder moments yeah ryan's support is huge like um i wouldn't be running to this day if it wasn't for him because in those moments where i was really not running well he could have just he was running he was he was breaking american records at the time and he could have just been like why don't you hang it up like just support me like i need help like instead of me coming to your races in Europe, like I should just be hunkered down at altitude, you know, but he never, he never treated me like that. Like he was always like, I believe there's more there for you. Like always believed in me, even in the face of like family members that were like, not supportive of me running. They they were like, why is Sarah still doing this? And, and he would defend me and be like, you need to support her. Like, and (laughs) so if, if it wasn't for that, like I wouldn't still be running for sure. Like if he had told me to hang it up, I probably would have. Um, but he always believed in me and, and then now for him to be coaching me the last five years or four years, I don't know how long, um, that's been huge. You know, I've learned the marathon from him basically from watching his career 
And then now um, with him as my coach, like that's, that's everything I know about the marathon is from him. And, um, and so it's been, you know, it's challenging having your husband as your coach for sure. Like I'm a stubborn person. And so is he, like, you don't get to be as fast as we've gotten if, without being like a really stubborn individual. So, um, so we butt heads a lot for sure. But um, I think there's like, there's definitely, it's, it's special to be going after something together, especially when you have kids and a lot of your day revolves around them like to have something that we're building together is has been really fun i think there's a real movement at the moment to you know you see some of the ultra marathon runners and the age especially in the women's category has gone kind of up and up and up you know like of the people who are nearer you know the top of the podiums why is that basically have you got a theory I don't know. I, I definitely think, you know, women are staying in the sport longer. It's becoming more like socially acceptable to delay having a family or like to come back after having a family and things like that. And I think especially women can improve later in in their career, like um, maybe even more than men, like longevity wise, I think can still be running well into their 40s and stuff where Um, And I think especially in the longer events, like you can keep building your aerobic capacity for many years if you can stay healthy. And I think we're getting better at learning ways to stay healthy. I think these super shoes in some ways like help with that too. It's like um, recovering and stuff. So I think, yeah, probably a lot of a combination of things, but it's, it's been exciting time to be part of American distance running, although difficult like when it's you're trying to make teams and things, but. (laughs) Challenge time. I have collected some things like a daily routine and I want you to, to, if it's okay, to let me know whether you do this every day. Okay. Sarah Hall, every day, do you brush your teeth? Oh, absolutely. Do you work out? Yes. I don't take any days off really, actually. That's, that's dangerous, but also kind of amazing as well. Ice bath. Ooh, that's something I've decreased over the years. I used to be a, a long ice bather. Now I'll do like very short ones or like warm baths. So especially when it's cold up here in the winter. Ooh. <laughs> Check social media. Oh, every day. I'd like to not call it, but as races get closer, less. I, I kind of go into my zone where I don't want any chatter in my head. <laughs> and my final one is listen to the Olympic Channel podcast. Oh man, um, not as much as I should. <laughs> I will after this. <laughs> Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel podcast. podcast. A massive thank you to Sarah Hall. She is Sarah Hall 3 on Twitter and Instagram. Go follow her and see how she gets on with her ambitions for 2021. If you want to follow me, I'm Eddie Older Than Iron and E and we are Olympic Channel across all social media platforms all right well that's it for now stay safe stronger together and we'll see you very soon think like an olympian